Welcome back to the Australian Bachelorette Podcast. This is James. I'm joined by Nikos. Charmed, I'm sure. The Australian body language expert. Par excellence. Par excellence. Yeah, I've been I've been analysing body language all week long. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you now, a lot of people are very interested in me. Mm-hmm. Is this your own in the mirror, taxi driver style? Yeah. Clothed or unclothed? It's a continuum. This is episode 10. We had the home visits. This is potentially the most interesting out of all the episodes in the Bachelorette series. I'm just comparing how I felt watching this episode to how I felt in the Richie series mm. home visits mm. episode. And it's chalk and cheese. Mm. Let's be honest. Mm. This series is an abject failure to engage any meaningful commitment to any of the people in this show. Mm. It makes the way we committed to what was going on with poor old airhead Richie mm. look like we were heading to Mecca for, for the fucking Hajj. Yeah. That's how different this is now. I can't believe we're already up to hometown visits when I am yet to see any really meaningful connection happen between Georgia and any of these blokes. Yeah, it does make it look religious by comparison. We're going to get to the bottom of why this is. We've got in a an executive producer from Channel 10, none other than Julian Remington. He was, Sweet. Uh, he'll be here in about... 15 minutes, I think he's parking outside the studio. Before that, why don't we do a little recap of what's happened? Yep. So the hometown visits, as a, as a heading to this analysis, James, it's going to be this. Do we live near each other? We don't. Oh, that's the title. Okay. Because what we have is she goes to Sydney to visit Maddie J and the whole thing's about whether or not he can move to Melbourne or she can move to Sydney. Mm-hmm. We go to the Gold Coast where she visits Jake, and the whole thing is about whether he can move to Melbourne or she'll move to the Gold Coast. Uh, we go down to Melbourne for Lee, and the whole thing's about how great Melbourne is because they both live there. And then we go to Courtney, and the whole thing's about what a fucking disastrous Ingmar Bergman-style <laughs> fucking dinner party disaster <laughs> Um, that was, and it doesn't really matter where he lives because clearly his head's on the block and there's no way they're going to be together. So, it, three out of four of these chapters are just about the fact that she doesn't really want to move anywhere else. Mm. And um, it's boring, James. Especially when they're having conversations that they probably should have had at the very first cocktail party, Honestly, i.e. do you want kids? I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm. On any dating site, apart from Tinder, uh, when you look at someone's profile, it's basically their face... And then a thing that next to it that says, I want kids, mm-hmm. or I don't want kids, or yeah. I've got kids, but I want some more, or I've got kids and I don't want any more. Or do you have kids because I'd like them? Exactly. Mm. Uh, kids is like, you look at the kids thing before you even look at their fucking name on these dating sites, James. So, Channel 10 in 10 episodes haven't been able to do what Tinder can do in one catchphrase. Not Tinder. Tinder doesn't tell you anything about the person, but pretty much any other dating site. Okay, Cupid. Any of them. What's your catchphrase on OKCupid? Okay I'm not on OKCupid. Okay so, what is your catchphrase on OKCupid? Okay I'm just trying to think, what, did I have a catchphrase? I think I said in my description when I was on there at one when point. You still, when you used to have it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not on there now because there's no one hot on there, James. Oh, okay. All the good looking people just vacated the premises. you got to get into those quickly, right? There's a surge and then this is the ugly stuff. I guess so. Uh, everyone's on Tinder. That's your only option at this point okay. for anyone vaguely normal. Right. Uh, But at one point, my catchphrase was, Patrick Bateman meets Ron Burgundy. Basically a psychopath with a... Look, I don't know. In a a 70s suit. It clearly didn't work for me, James. I'm still single. So... uh, But but considering the quality of some of the people out there, maybe it did work for you. Let's be honest. 
Sure, sure. Look, we could turn this into make Nikos feel better about being single, but maybe that's its own podcast series. Mate, that's his own podcast. Omnibus. Omnibus. <laughs> Compendium. Anthology. But yeah, look, the point is they should have talked about having kids in episode one. So we've got all that shit. And then we've got, oh, actually, you live in a different place. And I I think I'd in the, in the long term... I don't know if I wanted to really live on a, on a fucking canal in the back of the surface paradise. Oh, what a joke. Basically, Georgia doesn't know how to date men. She doesn't know what she wants. No, she's she's an immature little woman. And the whole thing's been a waste of our time. Complete waste of time. I'm actually... I feel... I feel ripped. I feel like we need to do something in protest. Oh, there definitely should be some sort of march on one Saunders Street. Now, listen. Let's just quickly take through person by person just for a little... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, specific analysis here. Yeah, yeah. So, Maddie Jesus. Maddie Jesus. He lives in Bondi. Um, we don't meet... No, nah, we just met his sister. We just met his sister who's hotter horses. than Georgia. <laughs> yeah, well, she looks a little bit too much like Maddie J. But we did have a good stint <laughs> at the My Little Pony Club. He took her riding. She got almost bitten by a horse, which was lovely. Well, it just snaffled at her. I mean, they're making... They're creating television out of literally nothing. This is the third animal... I know. ...segment on this show. Desperation. The minute more and more animals start to get involved in any form of entertainment, it is mm. pure desperation. I'm surprised they didn't chuck a bunch of lol cats in there. Just in keeping with your theory, James, Maddie J, absent father. Absent father, yeah. Yeah. It's the absent father show, this show. Well, Maddie J, I feel like, has probably been the father to this family. Maybe, Although he was in London for four years, you see. He's come back to Australia specifically to be an uncle to his hot sister's kid. It was a bit weird when she said that she didn't want to let Maddie J leave. I actually, and I know this is a little bit Greek tragedy of me, but there's a slightly incestuous vibe going on. There, there. is a little bit of... There's a little bit of something, something. Troilus and Cressida. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of something that... I'm, I, obviously, I'm not saying that they are incestuous. There is no... I'm not suggesting that for a minute. But there's just that delicious hint of it <laughs> and isn't it a delicious hint it, it, yeah. uh, there's some movies I, forget, I can't think of any offhand where they never ever develop that idea that maybe the brother and sister are a little bit you know but there's I just feel that like, tiniest hint of it I feel like every movie Rafe finds has been in he's had a sister who, who you're not quite sure whether they're boning on the totally, side totally totally so that's the vibe we got from her she doesn't want him to move to Melbourne Georgia doesn't want to move to Sydney. She has a DNM with the sister on the couch where we see why Maddie J likes Georgia so much because he's grown up with a bossy sister and now <laughs> he's courting another bossy woman. This is where I said in my in the last episode, this is where Maddie J looks a bit nervous, which actually suggests to me his subconscious is telling him that she likes him less, perhaps, than he does. Mm, I agree. There's this disingenuous point where uh, Maddie J's sister says to him, are you in love? And he says, oh, no, I'm too scared. And then she says, well, I think you are. And he says, yeah, okay, I think I am. And then she kind of, she does this grimacy smile and sort of says through gritted teeth, I'm really happy for you. Oh, I didn't I didn't, I didn't think that was cynical. I, I thought she was genuine. That wasn't what stood out to me. What stood out to me was that Maddie, that Maddie J, the sum total of this whole visit for me was that Maddie J is a man and Georgia Love is a girl. Bam. And his sister picked right up on it. Yep. His sister was like, you, my friend, are a fucking teenager and yep. my brother is a fucking man. Bam. For me, the critical shot 
of this sequence. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola, I'm sure they got him in for this shot, James. Mm-hmm. Sophia, at least. No, f- no, Fra- Frankie. The man. They got him in, James, for the shot where Maddie J lifts the baby up into shot. Mm-hmm. Nice profile. It's a profile shot of Matty J and the mm. baby's lifted up mm. and he has his hand comfortingly on its back and I just paused it and I just said, that's a young Al Pacino. <laughs> this is... This is some. This is a young Michael Corleone at work here. This is a bit of Serpico. No, this is this is this is a Godfather two after he's had the kids. Oh right. Or is it Godfather one that he? No, that's no, Godfather one. The kids pop out with Keaton. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, what keeps her in the nest. Oh my god! It was it was mafia. Yeah. It, it, he had the confidence of Michael Corleone, Godfather one. Well, let's face it. He's a don. He is. He's a future don. But you know, Matty J, I feel sorry for you, mate. Because there was a point in this episode where you said, I can't fault her. Yeah. Now, that suggests to me that you are not quite of a right mind about this situation. You are wanting a relationship more than you want Georgia Love. Agreed. His brain's been a bit addled. Yeah. uh, And I think he will will make a lucky escape. As I said uh, many, many episodes ago now... I'm actually concerned for him, and I and I in a part of me hopes he doesn't win because he's too good for her. Yeah, you're too good for him. Too good for him. So I think probably that's where we've got to with that, and the beautiful moment where Maddie J's sister says to Georgia very sceptically, "What at this stage of things you don't know who you're going to end up with?" Mm. And then there's this long pause, agonising pause, <laughs> and then Georgia finally manages to say. No. Yeah. It's like, yes, you do. And it's Lee. And it's the Thunderbird himself. <laughs> so we move on to Jake's single date, which is an absolute disaster. Oh, she doesn't give a shit by this point. But uh, disaster. They're doing all they can now, the producers, and we'll ask Julian Remington about this, to develop some very quick, smart intimacy between Georgia and Jake to the point where the 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 first half of the hometown visit is them cooking dinner together. And I have mm. to say, that is genuinely something I would do with the girl if I really wanted to build rapport and intimacy very quickly or to see if it was possible. You cook together. It's a great move from Jake. Brilliant. Too little, too late. Yes. I mean, he's a turkey. Yeah, you can't it's, miss it's the telling. Analogy I, here. And I got to say, any family that cooks turkey not on Christmas, what the fuck? You don't do that. You don't cook turkey just out of nowhere. It's only Christmas, James. I think Julian, when he saw this footage of the mother crying, thought he, you know, wrung his hands in glee because the rest of the the home visit is a fucking train wreck. It's Maccabi Bridge right here. The oh, whole thing. It really is. And look, I think that the I and no, look, I I know firsthand how traumatic it is to have family member get cancer and have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But you just want to leave that. As an unseen thing. You don't want to see the poor cancer sufferer on screen dealing with this shit in their life and having to put up with reality television sticking their head into it. And poor old Mrs. Jake, her voice is a bit fucked up. I mean, she's clearly had several bouts of chemo. The voice is shot. And she's there having to kind of say, I really hope you don't take my son to the other end of the country and treat him like shit because I don't think you're a particularly good person. Oh, well, this is why it's a disaster because Channel 10 found themselves squashed between this... What, what is actually a sweet woman who who wants her son to stay home is obviously the world to her. Yeah. And this vapid, idiotic girl backed by this team of cameramen yeah. who are pretending to take him away and breaking his heart in the process. It's immoral. It is immoral. And the story can be told on Jake's dad's face 
What a face. Is that the dad or is that just a... That was the dad. It was not someone from Star Now cast as his father. <laughs> that was a real guy. I thought it must have been some sort of stepdad or gardener they'd pulled in. I thought he... He literally <laughs> said nothing. I, yeah, I thought his dad died. He had... Yeah. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. That was his actual father. Oh. He had the biggest frown on his face... From Go to Woe. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, it was it was brilliant. He's I just the- thought, who is that gnome they've brought yeah. in to just sit there at the table and say nothing? Incredible. He looked like he was straight out of central casting. That's mm. what I meant. He was straight He's out of character face. Anyway, you uh, you picked Jake's demise much quicker than I did. I actually thought this has been a good, um, good visit. She's had the intimacy with Jake uh, and the kiss goodbye was quite passionate. There's obviously some magnetism there. But she she knows she's not going to pick him, and so she's she's I guess giving him giving him a good time before she uh, pulls the plug. Oh, I think when she walked away from that kiss, I could hear her little legs scuttling like a cockroach. <sighs> she couldn't get away fast enough. And why couldn't she get away fast enough? Because she was off to Melbourne, Melbourne, as they say in Melbourne, to see the mechanical carpenter, mechanical plumber, to see the mechanical human being. <laughs> The Dutch extraction. The wind-up. Thunderbird. Lee. And what do they do? They go to a fucking rooftop bar and drink espresso martinis. Because Lee has nothing else in the fucking kit bag than scenes from a Melbourne tourism ad. Basically, they were reenacting every single third act climax scene from... What's that fucking show with Deborah Mailman and uh, Sam Johnson? Oh, Secret Life. Secret Life of oh, Us. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the main actress in that show? Claudia Carvan. Cla- Claudia Carvan. I feel like Georgia Love is... Trying to be... Trying to be Claudia trying Carvin. To be. I feel like she has a poster of Claudia She's Carvin. She's not old enough. Own. She needs to be in her early 30s to do that To do Claudia that job. Carvin has been in her early 30s for about 40 years. I know, I know. She's an evergreen, mate. <laughs> anyway, we get to Lee's place and fuck, his parents are old. That's so <laughs> old. He's like, here's, here's my parents in the retirement village. Brilliant. They are so old. And the grandmother is even older. But the grandma is the only one with any perso. She was sprightly. Yeah. She was killer. She was had a lot more perso If, if I me. was 50 years older, yeah. she'd still be older than me. But <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably court, I'd probably get in, I'd probably fucking have a crack. <laughs> She's good. She makes a conception joke almost straight off the bat. Yep. She goes on about kids. She's got terrible Dutch teeth, which is fantastic. She's basically an amazing talent. Get her her own show. Get her a channel. Get her her own fucking planet, James. Get her and Maddie J on a couch, late night TV. Oh, my God. Just The up. odd cup. <laughs> the odd cup. Oh, Dutch treat. Anyway, I, I actually thought Lee's, Lee's family turned out to be all right. They had more than enough personality to make up for his complete lack of one. We find out that um, he hasn't had many girlfriends. No. And that he mainly goes for blondes. It's hard to get girlfriends when you go to parties just wearing budgie smugglers. Yeah, you're not going to get a girlfriend doing that, are no, you? No, you're going to get a drunk hen on her hen's night. Not even. Like most girls that I've ever met in my life yeah. would look at Lee and say, Ugh. Really? I reckon. They'd go, ugh, I can't, ugh. They'd say, I can't imagine, what what would I do with that? Yeah, but when they get a little bit tipsy. I don't know, man. he's hanging around in his smuggers. But you don't see girls marrying or, or dating blokes like that ever. You just don't see it, dude. 
You do not see it. Well, you don't see it because you hang around in a little inner city flat scraping about on Pro Tools and whatnot. People like Lee are out and about in Melbourne on rooftops having espresso martinis. You've never been in a rooftop in your life. I went on that rooftop that time. There was a Pro Tools information session up there. George's biggest concern, actually, at the end of that day, when when she speaks to the camera, is, "Oh, I'm not. I'm worried. I'm not his type." He goes for blondes. Yeah. There's no like, "Wow, I really feel like we're on the same page." Or, actually, all she ever says is, "I feel like I've known him forever." Yeah. That's. I mean, things we've known forever. Let's list them off. Mm-hmm. Poo. We've yep. all been pooing since day mm-hmm. one. Crying. Mm-hmm. Um, Mothers. Being born. We've known that forever. Having fingers. Having fingers. That comes at some point when you're in utero. Yeah. Uh, these are pretty basic things. Mm. Has she really known Lee that long, James? Mm-hmm. I feel like trying to break apart Georgia Love's individual sentences is kind of like holding the Turin Shroud up to the wind. Yeah. It's going to come apart very quickly. There's not much there. There's actually nothing to read in. We're reading into something into which there is nothing to read into. We are peering into a void. It's facile. Yep. Enter the void. Courtney. Cordos. Cordos, the courtmaster. Cordos is like the bad punchline to a Christmas cracker joke. He has become a walking disgrace of a human. I found it actually compelling viewing watching this section. I, I was compelled. Were you compelled? Well, it's the only part of the whole show that's had any sort of suspense. It felt real. That's mm. the thing. It did. Mm. No matter how they cut that, they yeah. couldn't get away from how <laughs> awkward and fucked it was. Yeah, yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah, it was good. Well, this is a man who, like Georgia, is used to talking in sound bites. Right. And could, just couldn't find the sound bite to say, I don't like you. He, he actually had nothing. Uh, although this is the first time when she asks him on the beach, do you want to be with me at the end? Mm. And he shakes his head. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for him to do his usual shtick of, of shaking his head and then saying something the opposite. So, yes. And this time he shook his head and said, I don't know. And mm. I was like, this is the sum total of your development as mm. a man. Mm. You've managed to match a head shake yeah. with a negative statement. <laughs> Some, I mean, that's, that's, that's autism 101, James. Well, that's progress. He's, he's inched his way up the spectrum a little bit. He's getting, he's getting there. When confronted with a girl who he should, by all accounts, be interested in, he really desperately wants to be into her and it just isn't. That's, surely that's the confusion he's in. He just wants to be on TV, mate. So the dinner was great. They, he invites around just a, his brother and a bunch of kind of... Northern Beaches types. Yeah, the parents, parents are, are supposedly on holidays, oh, mate. Come you on. can guarantee they were not on holidays. Yeah. He didn't want guarantee. That. Yeah, they're on holidays in the downstairs lounge. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you guys have fun up there. The dinner is fucking awkward, and Georgia, you did feel for her in a way, but she brought it on herself. Any awkwardness. It was her fault because she should have canned him about six episodes ago. Yep. So, I had no sympathy. No, it, it was a disaster though. It was, I mean, when that poor brother of hers comes in looking like Prince William trying desperately to hide his balding nature and actually oh. asks the questions that Courtney should have asked of yeah, her yeah, yeah. You know, weeks ago. It was interesting, but it just felt like a foregone conclusion that was stretched out a bit long in this episode. Yeah, it was. Oh, is that Julian Remington on his way in now? Ah. Hold on one second. I'm just going just gonna to see if he's here. Um, I'm going to duck out Yeah, and I'm going to uh, hand it over to Julian, uh, but I will see you probably next episode at the end of this. I'm going to go up to the pub and yeah. uh, drink away my troubles. All right, mate. I'll see you up there. Ciao. So, here he is, Julian Remington. I'm in the driver's seat now and we're joined by Channel 10 
reality television producer, Julian Remington. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you for having me, Nikos. And you've been working on the Bachelorette series, uh, Georgia Love? Yeah, yeah. I, I came in after Sam Frost's season was over. Okay. I was such a big fan and I was actually working in marketing at the time uh-huh. in, in the Channel 10 building and they brought me up to uh, the head of production for the next season. Yeah. And are you happy with how this series has gone? Oh, I'm over the moon. I, I mean, I just... I think it's just been wonderful. It's been a wonderful experience and working with so many wonderful people. Okay, okay, okay. But look, I've got to be honest, Julian. James and I, who have been doing this podcast, have torn strips off this show. We're not happy with Georgia as talent. And we wonder why on earth you guys thought it would be a good idea to cast not only a television professional who is good at faking it on camera, but also someone who was not quite ready to woman up, so to speak, and, and really take this show in a dignified way. Okay, well, let me just, let me just address the first part of that question, I think, or diatribe, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. Well, it's just so. an impa- impassioned plea. Right, impassioned plea. Well, look, firstly, Georgia Love was not my decision. Oh. That was the head of Channel 10 who decided that. However, I put her forward with one other. Okay. And personally, I thought she was a fantastic talent. And I think she has been. She is everything the modern Australian woman should be. She's career-oriented. She's gorgeous. She's, I mean, she's stunning. Stunning. Stunning eyes. Mm, and that's true. she's willing to forsake. Oh, and she has amazing family values, obviously. Family comes first. Mm. She comes from a very stable family mm. household. Mm. So, it's, she's promoting good household values. Plus, she is willing to sh- shed the trappings of modern, you know, career success mm. for what I think is a lovely return to the sorts of emotional values that, you know, might be being lost these days. Okay. Well, I know that's the spin of the show, but if she ends up with Lee, which we're worried about very much, what what message do you think that sends the Australian public in terms of values, because she's ultimately, if she chooses Lee, uh, she's ultimately chosen someone with whom we haven't seen her develop any meaningful connection of any kind. I mean, if she chooses Lee, I think the Australian public are going to be over the moon. I mean, Lee is a sensational human being. Well, he's, he, but he's got no personality. He's gorgeous. Yeah, he is, but he's got... Like, what is he going to offer after this? Oh, you know, he's, like, he's what? lovely. Okay. Have I, you I'm, seen the photos of, of Lee? I've seen online? the photos. Yes, I have. You saw him in the episode where he got his shirt off and he's oiled got, himself up. He's got an amazing body and he's very handsome. But, and amazing. He's, he's perfectly nice. I think a, amazing is an understatement. If all this is is a show about who's got the best bod, that's cool. Let's watch a show like that. But Well, at the end of the day, let me say to you, if we were to show too much of the men, we would be in danger of Georgia perhaps having her heart broken before the show reaches its conclusion. Are you following me? No, I'm not. This is interesting, though. Tell me. Men are horrible. Okay. Obviously. You, you're a man. Yeah. I mean, I assume I haven't yeah, seen... Yeah, I don't have any redeeming features. I haven't seen you in the nude, no. but I assume that you're a man by the beard on your face. Yeah. Yep. Call that Correct. an assumption, if you will. Sure. And you're an asshole, right? I say that with my tongue in my cheek. Well, but so at least it's only in your cheek. You're an asshole, right? You break people's hearts and you you stomp all over women's hearts all the time. I mean, you do. That is a major assumption you're making. 
No, it's not. What about the truth, which is that I'm actually quite a sensitive person who tries very, very hard not to hurt people. You can try as hard as you like, but at the end of the day, you're a man and biologically speaking, you are inclined to follow your penis. And following your penis, unfortunately, is going to hurt a lot of women because what you want is not what they want. So what you're saying is to somehow remove this kind of masculine trait of primal kind of instinct, you, you create a show where men aren't able to use it. I'm going to be real with you here, Nikos. I'm going to tell you something. Good, finally. That, I'm going to tell you something that my... my um, Fortune teller I'm not going to mention. I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. But he is my boss. Right. In quotes. Okay. We're in a relationship. Oh, all right. I'm not going to... Too much information, but anyway, okay, it's fine. So, Gary said not to say this, but all I'm right. going to say it. Okay. I wake up in the mornings... It's a and shame. Do I have pictures of all my ex-lovers on my dressing table next to my bed. And before I go to work, before I get in my BMW Z3, uh. I just smash them again and again. Smash them, you mean violently? I smash or- the frames. Gary has to buy them okay. again and again. But that's, a da- that's daily. Yes, you daily. haven't. It sounds to me like you, you haven't worked through your, your, your issues with these with these people then have you i am seeing a therapist what i'm trying to get at is men are vile horrible creatures australian men in particular right because they don't have the same sort of manners that you might get from a lovely new yorker or a sophisticated bostonian but if you think this about australian men how come you volunteered to work on a show that's full of them well, I'm climbing the ladder, aren't I? I mean, where do you want to end up? In goal, you where you want to end up on the Bachelor, being on the uh, being on the staff. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! I'm going to run Channel Ten. Oh, are you? Oh yes, I'm very close to doing it. Are you? Just three more blowjobs away. I oh, mean, good. Just three more interviews away. Sorry, it's <laughs> yeah, just a joke. Nikos, how naive are you about the Australian TV going? Well, you're here, Julian, so I'm playing a very naive version of myself to get some straight answers. Okay, well, I'm going to shut up the rhetoric now and just, just school you a little bit in Channel 10's demographics. Okay. All right, have you ever been to Marrickville Metro? Yes. So, picture yourself in Marrickville Metro. Yep. You're standing there in your tidy whities mm-hmm. You're wearing shorts over those. Oh, okay. But they're hugging tight and snug. Yeah. You've got on a little, maybe a little... Is it relevant number. what I'm wearing? Yeah, they're in Marrickville Metro and across... The end of the court is a young family. There's a mother, there's a father, there's two younger children. The father's wearing a high vis vest, right? He's just come from work. The mother's harried, harried, worked to the bone, worked mm. her fingers to the bone, Mm-mm. putting food on the table for this family. Yeah. Crow's feet. She's only 30. Mm-hmm. Crow's feet. Mm. So she has brought her family to Marrickville Metro. Sweet and sour chick. Okay. She is, or that's what they're going to eat? That's what they're eating. Sweet and sour okay. chick. Right. Satay chick. Yep. What's that pork dish that the Chinese people eat? Um, pork McNuggets. Sweet and sour pork. Uh-huh. Lemon chicken. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Lemon chick, sweet and sour pork, satay chick. This is the Channel 10 demographic. Okay. This is what I tell my staff at the beginning of every episode. When you're editing this, just imagine the biggest morons you can think of. Yeah. And that's who you're making it for. I just want to ask you one thing. 
And that is about something Georgia said at the end of this most recent episode. She says to Courtney, my story is that I meet someone and fall in love with someone. And I believe in that. And I want my person to believe in that. When we found Georgia Love, when we had that first interview and she started talking about this kind of thing, we knew we had an absolutely self-deluded idiot on our hands. And it was just, I looked at my co-producer and we winked and then we had sex later. <laughs> but why do you want an idiot? Why, why not get someone on there who's really intelligent, who says, hey, there's a possibility I won't meet them here. At, at Channel 10 on our walls, we have giant posters that say, remember, the Australian public are idiots. Right. And I think you just want to see other people who are like you. I mean, obviously, I'm a TV professional. You're not. My five years in marketing plus Mm. my media arts degree at UTS Mm. have informed me that the status quo works. Your show gives us the pretense of feeling and emotion and truth. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be Einstein to see that it's got none of those things. You don't have to be... Someone who got 99.9 in the HSC, as I did. You don't have to have come second in the state in Latin. Do you know Sixth how in the state in German for native speak. You don't have to have come 10th in general studies. Do you know how old I am? No. 26. Well, you look about 40. Thank you. You've had a few hard nights. That's the tanning. I'm 26 years old. I'm the fastest promoted person ever at Channel 10. And you know why? Why? Because I'm arrogant and I don't give a fuck what you think. Okay? So... All of these reasons you've got that this show is not good. I can tell that you're a deep thinking person, Julian. I can tell you have feelings and emotions far deeper than anything I've seen depicted on your show. I read at least into page 200 of every issue of Monocle. So why don't you channel some of your own feelings? I mean, you, you said to me before you smash up pictures of your exes. Why don't you put that kind of passion into, into the way you cast this show? If I was to channel any of my deep thinking, and I do a lot of deep, deep penetrating thinking. Yeah. 99.9% of Australia. That's what I got in the HSC. So 99.9% of Australia would not understand it because they're fucking idiots. You are extremely contemptuous of the Australian public. You've described them to me multiple times now as idiots, fucking idiots, stupid idiots. What's your end game if that's how you think about your fellow man? My end game is 43 New Beach Road, Darling Point. It's a four bedroom. It's overlooking the water. It's got two bathrooms. It's got a glass staircase leading up to the top balcony. And it has easy access to the water where I'm going to have my boat. That's my end game. I have to go. Uh, it's been real, Nikos. I hope you enjoyed the last season of The Bachelorette. And keep watching for the rest of it. Thanks, Julian. Oh, how'd that go? Oh, you're back, James. The bloke was the devil incarnate. Was he? Is that really who makes this show? His business card checks out. Uh, well, he... He I, was I traded probably, in some cocaine to come on the show. He was the most cynical, nasty, selfish person I've ever met. Was he? Yeah. First of all, he was very co- uh, contradictory because first of all, he ranted and raved about what a great show he thought <laughs> The Bachelorette was. Yeah. And then he segued seamlessly into accepting the show was shit, basically, and saying the Australian public are idiots. Really? When I, when I made any suggestions on how to improve the show, he'd just shake his head and laugh and say the Australian public are idiots. So what does he think? Does he think the show is genuinely good? Or does he just think it's a great piece of, of bait for idiots? Do you think that he might be representative of, of the people at Channel 10, that they're not quite sure what to do? Look, we're just all we're faced with here is the perennial problem of all mass entertainment 
and the way it's made, which is the people that have the money to make this stuff are shit scared of ever trying to challenge their audience because if you challenge them, there's a, there's a possibility that they won't like it and they won't tune in. Mm-hmm. So they have to give them what they think they already want, mm-hmm. which means it's a race to the bottom, mm-hmm. which means we get this shallow, vacuous crap and we keep thinking we've reached the bottom and then they cast Georgia Love in The Bachelorette and we realise actually there's a long way to go. When I saw him at this bar, he looked like one of those scared, nervous, insecure people whose eyes were darting around. He barely looked me in the eyes as he was talking in the bar. I don't know what he was like in the studio just then. Yeah. But if this guy is representative of Channel 10... The Australian media landscape is in trouble. What I'd love is for someone to, to, to bankroll a version of this show with no worries about advertising dollars mm. or eyeballs. Mm. Just to make... If, if you or I were commissioned to make a dating show, yeah. a matchmaking show, yeah. where we could make it as truthfully and honestly as we could possibly make it, yeah. with no fear about ratings or, or anything like that, yeah. what a brilliant, interesting show that could be. Yeah, it'd be sick. Wouldn't it? So, if you... Let's say you're The Bachelor, right? Yeah. Because this is the scenario that plays out in your head every time you watch it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of the fun of the show, by the way. Of course it is. Imagine yourself on it. Yeah. So, let's say you're The Bachelor and 22 girls are trotted out in front of you out of a... What sort of a car would it be? I'm happy to keep some of these trimmings. Let's let I, we're going to keep <clears throat> the setting, the mansion. And I think giving not. it the gravitas of the limo and the mansion yeah. and stuff's great. Okay, okay. So they, they they trot out in front of you. Let's say none of them have a sort of you know give you the tingles just out the door with them all on the first first day. No, I I would say to the camera. Well, I'm in a spot here because I don't have any immediate chemistry with any of these girls. Yeah. But as we understand, sometimes. When you're lonely, yeah. you date people anyway. Yeah. Because the alternative is to be lonely. And and the producers could actually say to me on camera, Okay, Nikos, you got two options. We can make a show about you staying at home every night, doing the crossword by yourself on the weekend yeah. and going to yoga. Or we can make a show where you have to date all these girls and see what happens. Yeah. And you can be candid with the camera about the fact that you don't have instant chemistry with any of them but this is replicating life here Mm -hmm. it's either be a lonely prick Mm -hmm. or give these girls a crack and see if something can blossom yeah and that would be a really interesting framework for a show well what you've just described there is some genuine suspense right and then we open up all the possibilities of someone actually getting through to me Mm -hmm. of a girl having an effect on me that i didn't expect and almost didn't want in a self-sabotage kind of way Mm -hmm. Well, because she might not want to do the crossword with you on Exactly, Saturday. sure, sure. Now, the alternative, James, in, in our version of the show is if the 22 girls are trotted out night one. I like one of them. She likes me. I don't want to fuck around. That's it. And so I tell the cameras, oh, I like, uh, I like Josie mm-hmm. and I don't like any of the others. And they say, uh, okay, well, you have to now sustain an eight-week show with you and Josie dating and yeah. getting to know each other. Yeah. And meanwhile, the other girls will do their best to try to get some time with you. Seduce you. Or whatever. Yeah. So then it becomes, can they pull yeah. you away from Josie? Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Another version of the show, which is a very realistic version, would be, yeah, I'm attracted to quite a few of them. I don't instantly fall in love with any of them. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe I decide I'll try and have sex with as many of them as possible yeah. and just go primal yeah. and, and try to do it in such a way that I play that delicate spinning plates modern game of yeah. 
trying to be a good person yeah. and, and and not be undignified mm. and try to behave like an adult while still having it off with with more than one girl at the same time oh. which is the that's that that's the perennial modern man bachelor's problem both of these shows sound like they have a little bit of honesty. Fucking oath they do. And a lot more entertainment value. Shit, yeah. Julian, if you've bothered to listen to this at all, have a think. Have a think whether you really need that extra bedroom on your apartment in Darling Point, or maybe you need a little bit more integrity in what you do every day. Have we finished with this episode? Did someone get voted off? Courtney got voted off, didn't he? Yeah, Courtney got canned and there wasn't a rose ceremony because Georgia says um, she's put herself out there and it's too big a risk for a maybe. Basically, he dumped her on her own show. He did. It's like the third guy who's dumped her on her own show. It was actually pretty compelling viewing. I dug it. And then she said, I think you should leave. If it was you, okay? Yeah. And she says, I think you should leave. Mm. He leaves with his drink in his hand. You don't walk off with the drink. You leave the drink. You leave the drink. Really? Why of is that? Of course you leave the drink. Well, the drink doesn't belong to her. You just you don't you don't give it to her. Yeah. You just leave it. You just put it down and walk off. Well, that's a waste of a good drink. No, because there is nothing less dignified than having a drink in your hand. Nothing. If if you're ever cigarette at a party, in, a cigarette if, in your hand. If you're yeah. ever at a party, yeah. and someone comes over to take a photo, yeah, well, you hide it. I'll tell you what I do. If someone, I, I I put the drink down immediately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyone that's photographed at a party with a drink in their hand looks ridiculous. Let alone in motion. I knew there was something wrong. I, it's interesting that it takes the body language expert to point it out. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, there was a, there's some good suspense there because he didn't say anything. Yeah, and a- apparently, obviously, they cut out X, Y, and Z from yeah. what he already had to say. But um, I'll tell you what he had to say. Any day, I don't know. I mean, you I guys, I like dice, and maybe if you had a penis, Georgia, we could do this, but you don't, so we're not gonna do it. I mean, I know we sound mean, but we are. <laughs>